0: If anything can get you through this, it's trust in the neighbor above. Right. The lights seem to be back on after a short powder, power outage. We're so grateful that you stayed with us during this difficult time. I feel kind of like a president like on like apocalypse shows like addressing the nation when the zombies have finally taken over New York. Right.
1: Yes. Well, we're Republicans- like right now like someone's going to burst through the door. Republican yeah, I theirs are cold open. That's the best cold open <laughs> You can't plan that shit. Yeah. All right, you can turn the breaker back on, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> well we well, so <laughs> are these both recording for sure? Uh you wanna double check that one? This one is. All right, all right. We're back. We uh we just had a power outage, which is something new for the podcast. Yeah. Uh we don't have Teresa, so maybe that's why it happened.
0: Reason number 677 yeah. why <laughs> right. we are more affected with Teresa. Just recovering from the last one wherein we didn't press uh, record on both cameras, so we uh, May
1: have a audio-only version of the Cinco. Which is a great plug, because you should be subscribing to us on iTunes. Right, which is the real reason we did it. Yeah, Don't and, need uh, you, Teresa. Marketing geniuses right here. Um, okay, so we are back at it. Uh, welcome back. I'm Andrew. You are? I'm Evan, man. I'm and Evan. we're And we're here to do our first official episode. I mean, we've done one this year. This is like the first official planned out. Yeah, full, yeah. Full nine, um, minus Teresa.
0: Again, the, the last one was like... We still had a lot of weight in the bag. We had a lot um, in stock that had not been pushed out, and now it's like,
1: feels like a fresh start in a way. Yeah, um, you gotta you gotta go watch those episodes though. Reed did a great job explaining cricket, and uh, Jeremy was a great guest, and I'm sure Jeremy yeah. will be back on very soon.
0: Yeah, hopefully it's uh, it's really cool to have guests on because um, you and I talk a lot, and it's nice to mix in someone with a different opinion um, and kind of a different energy. But then again, it's nice to get back to the basics, yep. like the old days of Red Sox Mondays. Which, um, which we
1: were thinking about bringing back. Yeah, which may, which may come back. Which may um, come back. righty. so here we are. Let's, let's launch right into it. So John Lackey, what are we going to do? We're going to have some fun tonight. Alright, you want to lay, lay our first topic on us, and we're going to yeah. start the clock. We're trying something new here. Yeah, we'll see how that works okay. out. Um,
0: so first topic is uh, just addressing the idea of multi-sport athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously super common at a youth level, but um, when those multi-sport athletes rise to the level of professional uh, professional sports, really thinking about Kyler Murray, who just announced that he's devoting his time and his life, as he said uh, from this point forward, to being an NFL quarterback after he was drafted number nine overall by the Oakland Athletics to play baseball. Um, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders come to mind as a few notable a couple of notable multi-sport athletes. Russell Wilson. Um, Russell Wilson, in a way. And, and you think about Michael Jordan um, and Tim you know Tim Tebow. There are people who have tried it, but it's it's super rare. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on on just this kind of thing? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, uh, I think it's a cool thing. First of all, I think mm. it's a cool thing where you are a gifted enough athlete to be able to play two sports. The big thing, though, is like, what all these sports have shown and all these players have shown that, like, you... Your body just can't hold up playing two professional sports. Right. I mean, Michael Jordan was near the end of, like... Michael Jordan's decision, notwithstanding, Bo Jackson couldn't excel for a long time on either sport. Right. And he was the best... He's the best example, in my mind, on our list of uh, two-sport athlete. Right. I mean,
0: the rest of them, I would say... um And... Uh, Maybe there's a, an exception. Let me know. Um, they, the other sport was as much as playing a professional sport can be like a trope mm-hmm. or like a, a game. It was, you know, Deion Sanders stole a bunch of bases and hit 220 for the Reds for a couple years, halfway just to show you that he fucking could. Right. Um, right.
1: And Bo, Bo, Bo Jackson was, could have Bo Jacks
0: a- legit superstar. Everyone yeah. else, you know. Tim Tebow couldn't hack it in the NFL, and now he's trying to show that he can do it in another league. He, still he picked the right that. organization. He um, picked the Mets. Right, yeah. He picked a league where he, the minors and majors don't really have a difference between them anyway.
1: Yeah, just a um, different stadium.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's impossible. It's super hard. Um, and we don't want to get bogged down in the Kyler Murray topic itself in his own decision, but uh, what do you think about his decision to, to at least for now, pursue the NFL uh, um, over over baseball
1: I think I think it's an interesting decision I mean it, it kind of goes against what I was personally hoping for Which was the idea that the NFL is waning in its interest Amongst young people That like less and less people are going to be interested in playing the NFL The contracts aren't as big And the, the, the sport itself is just so brutal um, I'm, I was kind of surprised I thought he was going to go with the A's Who knows what conversations he's had he had was with, with A's ownership and management and Billy Bean. I mean, they picked him ninth overall. That's a huge. I mean, the Red Sox haven't had a number nine pick since Andrew Benintendi a couple of years ago. He was like seven and yeah. he was a high pick. Yeah, but no, no. nine and nine is no joke.
0: Yeah, it's definitely no joke. Um, the argument against baseball is being picked number nine still means you got to make minimal money in the minors for two years before you ever get to step on a major league field. Right. Whereas you can go and uh, mess up your brain tomorrow in the NFL.
1: And make a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Um, and make a lot of money. If a successful baseball player makes less money than anyone except for a superstar quarterback would in the NFL. Wait, over say, the long term. Say that again? The only, the only player who can make baseball money in the NFL is a superstar quarterback. Right, right. Um, and so... It's not like he's automatically foregoing the money he'd make by being a successful MLB player, but he's he's definitely betting on himself. I'm guessing his passion is there um, if he decided to make this happen, but yeah. Um, but like I said, I don't want to belabor the Kyler Murray point. It's been beat to death. Um, what comes to mind with me and why I was kind of attracted to this topic is thinking about it, again, from the bigger picture... Mm-hmm. Um, the, the idea of the multi-sport athlete, I think, is this like, intoxicating, alluring concept for us. And I think it's why Kyler Murray is a constant topic and why people still know who don't know much about sports know about Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, talk about when the, Michael Jordan went to play baseball. Because that's part of the amazement of sports is like, look what this dude can do. Look at right. the superhuman shit that this dude can do. And what's more superhuman than being able to be like, yeah, I'm the best at this, but guess what else I can do better than anyone else? Watch this.
1: Right. And watch, Michael, Jordan, this. Michael Jordan, it didn't pan out. It, but it I mean, pan-
0: he played the minors. And it like got hits, right? Like if you, he hit 95 mile an hour fastballs at right, the end of the right, day. Right,
1: right, okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have it. You don't have it. But if you have the hand-eye coordination to play basketball at the highest level or to play football at the highest level yeah. and be good at excuse me at those sports. I mean and you played baseball as a, as like a high school or even some in maybe a little bit in college. Yeah. There's no there's nothing to say that that hand-eye coordination can only take you so far in in right. hitting a baseball. I mean also, do you really think I mean it goes both ways, right? But if you're a pitcher and you're facing Michael Jordan, I mean you might groove him one though. You know
0: I think the opposite. I as a competitor, opposite? I think you're trying to be able to tell your grandkids you struck dude out. Um But um I mean and with the baseball topic, you know, Buster only always says, and I totally agree that baseball is far and away the hardest sport that exists. Like the amount of not hand-eye coordination, not the wow factor of athleticism, but the skill that it takes to play baseball is far and away, head and shoulders. Please tell me if you think I'm wrong. We can debate it. Mm-hmm. But head, shoulders, knees, and toes above the skill that it takes to play any other
1: sport. Like Well, it's funny that we, the way when we're talking about this, all these players that we're talking about, Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, Russell Wilson, yeah. um, baseball was the second sport. Yeah. Their primary sport was something else, basketball and football, which is crazy, which is maybe why they never, they never, like they didn't get, they couldn't push through, they couldn't break through. Okay. Michael Jordan uh, played for the Birmingham Barons, a double-A affiliate of the White Sox. He batted 202 with three home runs, 51 runs batted in 30 stolen bases, 100 and 14 strikeouts, 51 walks, and 11 errors. I mean, that's
0: there are a lot of players with a worse resume in the minors than that who devote their whole life to it. Um, so there is again that wow factor of like, man, he did that. Like that dude, we see him go on the court. He can just walk over and get hits off of dudes who have devoted their entire life to being the best at this, right. and who who in high school, college, no one, no one could hit off him. And three times, Michael hit home runs off of those guys. Right. So I, I went to a big sports school. I played basketball, pick-up basketball in the non-football offseason with a seen a Dory Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, who are now solid NFL football players, um, I think. I don't watch the game. Um, step on courts and just be better than anyone who had ever walked into a pickup game and they're football players. Just the, the crazy, stupid athleticism that translates... And there's something I'm amazed by the shit they do on the football field. But when you get to like see like, oh, it's like that, huh? Like he can just step on the court and be throwing down windmill alley oops in the rec center without stretching. Yeah. Because like that's the type of I'm just not in his world. Uh, right. There's something that's why we uh, not as much anymore. But why the decathlon used to used to be such an incredible human feat.
1: Like right, right. I mean, think about. uh Jesse Owens, right? You know, it's and and I forget the name of the guy. The guy that like the Olympics were made for. I forget his name. Um, yeah, and I mean Bruce like, Jenner. Bruce Jenner, but I'm talking about like pre Bay Bruce. I forget okay. his name. He's, but I'm not sure. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's from like Pennsylvania. I think I've seen a statue. Dad and I went and saw a statue of him on. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um but the Olympics used to be it's just the Olympics happen every four years, and our attention span is so short. But those are the amazing sports—the pe- people, guys that run and swim and yeah. and ski and shoot—and like those were those are the athletes because yeah. they were not doing anything that was idolized. They were doing stuff that anyone could do without much gear. I mean, you and I can go right. outside and run. Well, it was the or ultimate
0: s- feats of brute human strength, speed, and athleticism, right? And now um, we're we're more enamored to an extent by. The by rings skill. and the the stuff you can see on social media and the specialized skill of oh he shoots forty six point seven percent on three pointers after the fourth quarter within the last three minutes with two defenders on him that's amazing as opposed to just damn he got high
1: yeah um, or he, he ran really fast or
0: right yeah but yeah. that doesn't mean that's you know we're still amazed by that so I think there is an there is a deep endemic attraction and always will be to dual sport athletes to just the the amazement of what that is
1: and and not to belabor the point and we're almost out of time here uh, thinking about b- two multi-sport athletes and thinking about oh wait uh, Andrew finish,
0: finish your sentence we're no slaves to the timer this yeah. is our fucking podcast
1: okay so what i'm trying to say is we no one looks up to I can can you name a track and field athlete the Olympian?
0: I mean, Usain Bolt garnered some huge attention.
1: Yeah, they they don't garner that huge attention. We the most famous Olympian of the past, I don't know, ten Olympics Phelps. Is Phelps. And that's because he's doing exactly what people do at sports. He does what Steph Curry does for shooting, he does in a swimming pool. Mm. And, it's, and that's why people Eliza and know his name and he only shows up once every four years and he may be done down. I don't even know I don't even know if yeah. he's going to be in the next Summer Olympics, but yeah, it's just a different, a different generation we value different things. We don't care as much about raw athleticism. We care more about whether this guy um, is going to choose which specialty.
0: Right and I think the, uh, the perception piece of this is something the. the public perception pieces, this is something we're definitely going to be able to nice and smoothly segue into in our next topic. Yes, Um, yeah. But uh, let's
1: head on to the tool belt. Tool belt. Okay, uh, roll that intro.
0: Would you please, for the love of God, and your own body, hold the hammering. Straight robbed from uh, part of this interruption, which I think is the greatest sports talk show of all time, in my opinion. Um, Maybe a controversial opinion, probably not, though. Um, but uh, they uh, do a segment. I would say
1: that about PTI. Just just two cents that, growing up, we watched PTI a lot. We watched Around yeah. the Horn a lot, and both of those have definitely influenced this show. Yeah, the way we go do about doing the show. And there's
0: so many great things about the show. We'll get into it, but, but uh, uh, I love love the t- love PTI. Tony and Mike, there's we got- a spot on the couch right next to Andrew. You're always welcome to come on. They can come on uh, on Don Lemon Day, right? Yes. <laughs> when Don Lemon and Kobe stop by. <laughs> Feel free to pull up a chair. Uh, we might have a packed house. We'll ask. We'll move some guests to the next
1: episode. But yeah. uh, just give us a call. You you have my number, Tony. Dare I say it? We would <laughs> bump Kobe for Will Bond and, and Kornheiser. I would bump Kobe for Wilbon and Kornheiser
0: before you could even say the second syllable of Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, we're stealing from them their segment. What the word? What's the word? Um, where they just. Uh, Show off their college education by completing uh, sentences uh, with a word. And Tony usually says something like, I'm about to kill you. You already lost. Why are you even showing up for this? You don't have any words. And then they do their thing and then they go.
1: Okay. Uh, so I'm going to kill you. You don't even have any words.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So number one. You go first? I'll go first. Okay. So Childish Gambino's This Is America Becoming the first hip-hop song ever to win Song of the Year at the Grammys is?
1: Long overdue. So <laughs> so I'm, I am I think that if you think about the history of... Think about 2003, okay? 2003, the song that was on in everything was In The Club by 50 Cent, right? That was the biggest song of that year. You know what I mean? The, yeah. I mean, for better or for worse, it's a shit song. Uh, and when I hear it now, it kind of is cringy. But... Like it was the number one song, or think of like "Fight the Power" by Public Enemy. Those these songs are like genre encapsulating songs. Like "Fight the Power" is is one of the greatest songs of all time. Period. Yeah. And so it's it's crazy to me that "This Is America." I think the video had a lot to do with why it was song it here because the, the, when yeah. that video dropped, it was what everyone. If he didn't put out about. a
0: video, I guarantee it doesn't get nominated.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my word is long overdue. Okay. Okay. You want me to lay my first one on you. Yeah, is it the same word? I'm um, trying
0: to change on the fly because it was the
1: same word. Okay. Spike Lee's first nomination for directing is um, is a long overdue joint. <laughs> a long um, o- yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I
0: mean, you could speak on Spike Lee better than better than I. Um, but even as a lay person in watching film and not knowing all the tactics behind the scenes, there's something that really draws you in about his films. Um, that within the first couple seconds you can see when it's a Spike Lee film, mm-hmm. always. Um, and he, he has such an incredible way about making a point with every second of the film as it goes. There is no instant on film. I don't feel that there's no instant of one of his films that isn't trying to send a certain message about the world, about society, about those characters, and about, about the way uh, we treat each other, about the way the world works, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's an incredibly powerful and really difficult thing to do. You don't have to like every one of his lines and every one of his movies, but like his ability to do that is like, is unreal. And as far as I'm concerned, bar none to others. So it's, it's a long overdue joint, man, a joint that should have been smoked a long time ago, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, do the right thing might be one of the greatest is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. What's your also favorite, had, your favorite also fight the power in it. So What's you your favorite, uh, like spiky time, joint? uh, do the right thing. Okay. I like Mo Better Blues. I like I like Inside Man, uh, but do the right things on some on another level. Same with Malcolm X. Malcolm X is on another level as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Lay your next one on me.
0: Um, so Russell Westbrook recording his tenth straight triple double
1: is. I had to write this word down. Is, post Chamberlain sanity. Post Chamberlain sanity. Okay. Post Chamberlain sanity. I'll spell it on the screen. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is Wilt Chamberlain. One of the top, what five greatest players of all time, uh, to get his record eclipsed by Rus- uh, Russell Westbrook is is insane. It's just, right. It's an insane feat. Um, it ties into a conversation we had with Jeremy about the difference in the NBA, probably. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, it's time to start talking about some of these, some of these players. I feel like the NBA has this, as much as anyone, if not more, that some of these players are like enshrined forever. And that there's no way to to say, oh, what well, maybe what Russell Westbrook is as good as Julia right. Serving or right. Wilt Chamberlain. Um,
0: and it's I'm glad that I think you picked the perfect word because you see, it's Chamberlain's stats were so crazy that a lot of times ESPN will actually put up a stat that says he's the first ever to do X in an asterisk, except Chamberlain seven times. Except right. Chamberlain did it every year of his career, right? Because um, he just the dude had. Just like he the stuff he did was insane, um mm-hmm. and uh yeah, no, I, I think, and it was the crazy part about it is in this era of big stats, people aren't even talking about Westbrook. he's the second best player on his team this year, right. People almost didn't want him in the all star game, yeah, and he's averaging a triple double for the third straight season when it hadn't been done for decades before he did it the first time, I mean. Say what you want about how he plays his game, and I have my grapes about his game. Dude is doing something special. He's different, man. Yeah,
1: yeah, he for sure. Uh, um, okay, uh, I'll lay my last one yeah, on last you. Yeah, last one. Okay, here we go. Um, pitchers and catchers report this week. Machado and Harper haven't signed. The owners should feel blank for their conduct the past two offseasons. I think the owners should feel
0: called. as in DJ. Because you played yourself. Um, at the end of the day, the uh, the owners trying to control the market, mm-hmm. trying to push down salaries about being worried, and what it results in is just another of endless, seemingly MLB marketing catastrophes. Um, at this point, it is not helping nobody to have these players not signed to a team. The MLB continues to have no idea to market it, how to market itself, while all these discussions are going on in owners and player union meetings about how to shorten the game by six minutes. They're still not addressing the problem of the average non-baseball fan can't name two fucking baseball players because they can't market themselves as a league. And you got two of your most marketable players, and you can't get them on a fucking team because you're trying to change the market. So you played yourself.
1: I also think that it's incredibly dangerous, and if. We're still going. I'm sure we'll have to have a dedicated segment to this is if baseball, which has had nasty player owner relations in the past at the pinnacle of 1994, there could be some big shit go down at the next, when they do the next collective bargaining agreement, Uh because the owners are, are like you said, they're playing themselves. Yeah. All right. So we're moving on. We're moving on to our next segment, uh, which is called perception versus reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dealing with how, how the media and social media deal with or address players who they are on and off the court, and how that relates to who they actually are. Mm-hmm. And our dad likes. Our dad was the one that recommended this, especially in the case of Jim Rice, Hall of Fame baseball player, yeah. was somewhat considered cantankerous during his uh, baseball. Should have cre- used
0: that word. Man,
1: you got words, huh? I got words, yeah. Yeah. You might as well just call me Webster. Um, (laughs) Oxford Webster. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So considered to be kind of an off-putting guy Mm -hmm. just because he wouldn't say shit about players on his team that weren't playing well. He played with, you know, Carl Yastrzemski, Wade Boggs. He played with some of the best players of their generation. On the Red Sox And he finally did go in the Hall of Fame On his last year of eligibility Because as I've said many times before I said on one mic Baseball writers are petty as fuck Right um,
0: I mean they they paint They And this is You know A A A uh a necessity out of just how the brain works and how information is consumed, but the media creates a very solidified narrative about every athlete. Sure. And it's really difficult to escape those narratives. And they're they're at the same time both really hardened and extremely fickle. Um and so once the MLB decided that Jim Rice was an asshole, using mm-hmm. that example, they were gonna ask him questions that would show him being an asshole by antagonizing him right, or so he, that they or could just write an article them. about him being an asshole. Right. Um, it's the same way that would, KD is going to get questioned about what team he's going to next year and how much he hates Draymond every time he goes to the mic because the narrative around KD is that he's a whiner and that he uh, cashed out uh, and that he, he cashed in on um, a, on going to Golden State in basically getting himself rings for no reason. The narrative on LeBron, and and I think this a lot of the time, but mm-hmm. I've never met the dude, and I know he does amazing things off the court. The narrative around him is that he's like this big puppet master who thinks he's better than everyone else and treats his coaches like lesser than him. And, you know, these narratives we create, um, they're, they're really like become glued to the player, which I think is super interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, baseball writers, I mean, we we have moved over generation over decades here to a much more uh, toxic and that was a, that was the last year's word of the year. We've moved towards this idea that people huh. want to know the gossip, the shit that's going on, and you know whether that's because of the Kardashians or whatever the fuck else. Um, but but you know the player that goes in every day and just does his job, gives a solid interview, you know you know, scores ten points a game, hits two seventy, whatever you wanna wanna call it. They are gonna they don't be sell jerseys. They don't sell jerseys. No one's gonna be at their locker after the game being like, Oh, uh, you know, what Ian Kinsler, what would you like to say? Right. It's like, Oh, we played well and it was a good game. Yeah. But you know, when they're like David Price is like, Hey man, I can't feel two of my fingers. Maybe right. it's for me playing Fortnite the the baseball players are like, Fuck yeah, this is what we're gonna talk about. We are going right. to Wreck this guy And right. Boston's Boston's maybe One of the worst places Boston and New York Yeah And I would say Boston's even yeah. worse Than New York They hate David Price And I, I, maybe David Price after, Until he won a couple games Right Maybe he's a hero yeah. But what if he comes out And is, has like a 5-5 ERA Well then he's Then he's is, a piece a, of shit again And is, is a 3-6 th- yeah. record And gets yeah. shelled By the Yankees Four times He's an asshole He's going to be yeah. A piece of shit again And 100%. he's going to go back To being standoffish Because every team That David Price Has been on Blue Jays Tigers Rays before he came to the Red Sox Said he was the best clubhouse guy in baseball Period and that you know he'd like Do fun stuff with his team He'd buy them scooters do whatever else He's just a great teammate Comes to Boston he's kind of pariah And he stood up for Eduardo Rodriguez So I was watching that game They Eduardo Rodriguez A pitcher for the Red Sox had a um, And we're Kind of getting far afield here had a pretty Bad like outing Uh, in AAA, and Dennis Eckersley, Hall of Fame pitcher, said, yuck. That's all he said. He didn't say, like, well, he sucks. He said, yuck. And David Price went and stood up for him. And the media jumped all over it. As a player, as a person, he was just standing up for his team because, you know, you don't want to get your confidence rocked as, like, you're a young pitcher.
0: But it goes back to that narrative. He had the the narrative, as long as he wasn't performing, that Boston's media was going to drive was that he was a whiner, he was a crybaby, that his he was mad because he wasn't
1: pitching well, all this. Um, let, let, let me open yeah. this up as devil's advocate, too. Cool. Uh, we, we live in a society, too, where we expect people... I mean, we talk about... This is like one of the things we talk about all the time. Yeah. Uh, where if, if you're in the public eye, you're expected to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. When you teach, you are not the same person that you are when you and I are hanging out. When you are in on a court... On the field, in yeah. an interview, on your team, I'm fucking uncorked when I teach. Yeah, I. But you were expected to be that way, and if people were like, "Oh, like that's who he is," like you, you sure. are fitting a persona. And I think a persona, for certain people, is for Jim Rice. It seems definitely clear because he's gone on to like be a very humble, mm-hmm. very warm, uh, good interviewer uh, right. kind of guy. But for certain people, I mean, like they—that's just not who they are. But they have this persona. Bob Gibson. Would shout next to batters after he strikes which strike is fucking sick. Which, yeah, yeah, you just wish you could. Which I that. used to do
0: in club baseball, <laughs> for real. Yeah, <laughs> to ask any of my teammates. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's part of this persona, right? Because you are, because as good as your pitches can be, as good as your shooting, shooting uh, ability can be, as good as your ball handling skills, you are that much better if everyone thinks you are that great, right? That's
0: that's a that's this really interesting point I think you made. Um yeah, no, I mean it's about it's a, it's about selling yourself, right? Um right. like you got if if you're invested in that, you're all the way invested in it and it's a rabbit hole. You get down there, you become obsessed with selling your self image. You know, KD has like a a a a fake Instagram account that he uses to go in and respond to like mean commenters. Like think about the psyche he must be in where he's like, I really have to like defend myself, but I can't it'll look bad if I do. Like that's fucked up that he feels like he has to do that. That's like that has pushed him that far. Now, something I wanna kind of tie into that topic. So thinking about your favorite player in sports. Yeah. Imagine him. Um, for you and me it might be someone different. But I would guess if you pulled all American sports fans in each sport, you're probably ninety percent of answers are ten people. Does that seem fair? Ninety percent of answers are within ten people. Yeah, sure. Ten to fifteen. Sure. Um,
1: so like I mean, my favorite. You, you wa- account for like age range and demographics. but yeah. sure. Like yeah, right. Yeah, um, if you're pulling,
0: pulling all twenty year olds, all 20, who watch
1: basketball. Yeah, there's
0: ten people they're picking as their favorite player. Now my favorite player, who doesn't make that many waves, is Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. I love Marcus Smart. I don't know that I. I just found out he how thick his Southern accent was like a week ago. Right. Um, he's got that thick Oklahoma type drawl. Draw. Yeah. Um, because I don't care about his tweets or how he interviews, but Marcus Smart jerseys don't really sell like that because people do in general. Um, people are worried about the narrative. Um, so yeah, what what are your what are your thoughts on kind of that? Like people are less concerned about on the court action versus. The narrative you create? Um.
1: Uh, I think that that you need to be able to... I mean, Bryce Harper, I think, is the best example of this, right? If you were to pool casual baseball fans and hard baseball fans, they would say, make a list of the top 10 players in baseball, if you can name 10 players in baseball. Yeah. And Bryce Harper would be on that list because he has sold himself as the next coming of Christ in baseball. Yeah, do his numbers mitigated out for one season? One season he was the MVP. Yep. I mean, his on base percentage is ridiculous because he is in the head that he's going to hit a bomb when he when right. when they throw him one over the middle of the plate. But guess what? You don't hit two twenty by hitting. Right. Look at Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds right. had like a five hundred on base percentage because people were so fucking scared to throw him a pitch. But he was hitting three seventy. He was hitting three seventy. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Harper, I mean, we'll see what happens where he signs. What If it's a 10-year contract, They may be. it might be a Ryan Howard situation because, you know what? I don't want him. I don't want him for 10 years. Yeah. But you know what? If you, you – but he talks a huge game. You know, he used to wear that hat before Make America Great Again was a thing. He used to wear the hat that said Make Baseball Fun Again. You okay. know, he used to be kind of – you know, he's, he's a loud mouth. He's like a personality yeah. around baseball. And you know what? Bryce Harper jerseys, I guarantee, sell – just as well as, as Trout Betts, as anyone, yeah, yeah. or Mike or Trout, a doubt. Um. and and maybe he has the raw talent to be in the same neighborhood as Trout or Bets, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. I mean, he's not. He has one season, right? And you know what? He right. doesn't steal bases. He plays a corner outfield position as like maybe a two. Yeah. Maybe he's a one. I don't know. Like he's, yeah, you know. But um. he has sold himself as as the Jesus Christ of baseball.
0: Well, and the wild thing is, is uh. And baseball wants to needs sign him. is baseball needs is a no one wants to sign him b baseball needs that baseball needs the social media attention and I guess with uh that duck quacking our way uh i will uh i'll I'll take the last word here we'll take the last word. Um, but I think um the the last kind of point to weave in and i'll leave it open as we as we step away from this is it's interesting time and time again coming back to this and I always tend to agree with you, but you are like the 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 forefront on this opinion um, that athletes, when you become a professional athlete, by being great at something, whether you like it or not, you now have a a responsibility wow. to be a decent person and to give back to your community, to not be a fucking piece of shit, to set a good example, all this. Um, and so, kind of, weaving into that, it's like, is a part of that, like, you have to learn how to have an instagram and learn how to answer media questions and learn how to check the cross your t's and dot your i's and check the boxes that the media machine asks for um that could be and i don't think we have time for you to answer this question i just want to put it out there i think that that's an interesting component of the whole responsibility question of do you have responsibility to make the public like you too
1: yeah Um, for sure and and a question I always ask myself, and I'm not going to answer your question specifically. I'm going yeah. to like let that be open, and we'll talk about it. Feel free to like and uh, to comment. Comment, and if you have an opinion about this, like like we'd like to get in about this because this is, I think, somewhat a divisive issue. I mean, people yeah. have opinions about it. But one thing I've always thought about is like when you are rich and famous to a certain level, right? Let's say you're like top tier rich and famous celebrity actor entertainer, basketball player, whatever. Like at some point, you want to have as few people that you talk to through your phone as possible. Mm -hmm. You want your circle to be as small as possible. Because think about it, like if you are Leonardo DiCaprio, there's probably maybe 12 people in the world that you want to talk to on a daily basis everyone else can go through, your publicist, your agent, whoever. Yeah. And I, I'm just thinking about, like, it's a weird thing. To control like, the narrative. Control, yeah. control the, and control the information that comes to you. I mean, if you're being yeah. co- told constantly every day, you're a piece of shit yeah. by people who have access to you via your Instagram,
0: like, that's fucked. Yeah, you ever seen the, uh, the viral video, I hate to keep carrying this over, but the viral video of a, uh, of a, uh, and I don't know his name, but some relatively well-known European soccer player has showed a video oh, yeah. of he turns on the notifications. push notifications on Instagram, and his phone is just like thousands and thousands and thousands of constantly comments and, scrolling and, and likes and things. The fact that you have access to all of that hate and love, and we know from social media more of its hate than it is love. Yeah, um, <sighs> it's tough. It's uh, but it's a responsibility for getting paid
1: millions to play a game. In my in my opinion. Uh, so that has been... Uh, we're going to move on to our bold predictions. So. Yeah. Search the feelings. You know it to be true.
0: So uh, I've, I've got two, two uh, opinions from from guest bold predictors. One is Alexandria Lewis um, out of, coming to us from from Los Angeles. Um, classmate of mine. Great person. All that. I've um, met her. Andrew's met her. Uh, she says that she thinks Cory Booker will win the Democratic nomination for president in 2020. Bold. Also coming to you from Los Angeles, another classmate of mine, uh, my brother, my best friend, uh, David McLean, who will never watch this because he has yet to watch a single minute of any episodes, despite me referring to him as uh, my brother. Um, He says that the Thunder are going to win the NBA Finals this year. There you have it. Um, and then you, you got a you got a guest appearance yes, on the boat. mine got as mailed well. too. Yep. So
1: here it is. Here's here is being mailed. Old school. Yes from from Tony Whitfield. He didn't put any postage on there, huh? No, no. He he, he collected on delivery. Um, <laughs> and here is his bold prediction. Uh, this bold prediction is Trump and his children will be indicted before Trump's first term is up. An indictment, you told me. An indictment. Indicative. Yes. Uh, So those are from our grab bag. Uh, I hope Tony's comes true.
0: Yeah, that would be great. I don't know how I feel about uh, either of my friends' predictions, but I I do hope Tony's comes true. Um, All right, for my predictions, and then I'll let you end us. Okay. I'm just going straight up. I'm going to predict uh, as the NBA All-Star game approaches, I'm going to predict uh, the All-Star winners in all of the competitions. Go for it. So in the dunk contest, I think Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets is going to win. The skills contest, I wasn't going to pick him because I thought he was too slow, but I saw Karl-Anthony Towns won a couple of years, his slow ass. So I think that uh, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, is going to win the skills competition. Three-point contest, I wanted to be creative, but ain't nobody shoot it like Steph. Uh, Stephen's going to win the three-point contest. The uh, Rising Stars Challenge, I think the international team is going to just barely... Uh, outpace the u.s team and i think team lebron is going to win the all-star game
1: okay versus yeah. team who versus uh team Giannis atentacumpo okay all right my bold prediction and mine will take some time to come true or not um beto o'rourke and bernie sanders will be the democratic party ticket in 2020 who bernie as the vice uh bernie as president
0: okay I don't see the Democrats going with two white men, but uh, I mean, but I like both of those people a lot.
1: Yeah, I I only see it because it's 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 such a Bernie's a northerner, yeah. uh, you know, a northern huh, liberal, and Beto O'Rourke is a southerner. Yeah. So
0: I I really like those Maybe are that's probably a, those are probably my two favorite candidates stand alone, um, but. Uh, you can listen to the Cinco and hear us talk
1: more about that. Right. Listen to the Cinco. Yeah. Listen. Don't watch it. Video's overrated. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. We, so uh, with wait, that being said, Yeah, watch us. <laughs> watch us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for watching. This has been uh, Small Brains Big Picks. Uh, we went for 42 minutes. Uh, so, yep. Fuck you, Teresa. <laughs> yep. So, Teresa, looking at you. Um, thank you so much for watching. If you like it, like it. If you subscribe on... Apple Podcasts or on YouTube that would help us out a lot. If you want to comment, we will we will receive your hate and we will digest it in the appropriate manner, which is a pint of ice cream and lots of tears. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm Andrew, and I'm Evan. It's been fun. Dude. All right, uh, nos vemos.
0: Yeah, all, all oh. <laughs>